important lesson from history that can teach us about fundraising today. Hi, I'm Bill Stajakevich, and this is the first day from the Fundraising School, and I'm joined today by my colleague, Dr. Tyrone Freeman. Dr. Freeman leads our bachelor's program at the Indiana University Lilly Family School of Philanthropy, where he also continues his award-winning scholarship, which now includes the new book, Madam C.J. Walker's Gospel of Giving, Black Women's Philanthropy during Jim Crow. This book is just out uh, and is so relevant to the moment. Tyrone, thanks very much for being back with us on the first day with the Fundraising School. Oh, thank you, Bill. So happy to be here. Appreciate the invitation. What led you into this book project? Well, so I am the son, grandson, nephew, and cousin of Baptist preachers and first ladies. So I grew up in a very generous community and a very generous family of people who, you know, pool together resources, would work together to accomplish things in the community, help each other out. And so I knew that generosity existed, and I'm kind of a product of it in the African-American community. And yet when I entered into the world of professional fundraising years later, where I was regularly kind of the only African-American in the room or one of only a few, it was really difficult for me to understand why the field didn't seem to understand or appreciate this particular tradition of generosity. And then later, as, as, as someone in the university studying philanthropy and earning a PhD in it um, and dealing with literatures and theories about philanthropy and not seeing consistent engagement with people of color as givers, that also was kind of boggling. So I wrote the book to kind of fill this gap between, you know, what I knew had existed and, and is important and a feature of American life, but again, these professional spaces of philanthropy are struggling to grapple with it. And so I wanted to articulate uh, the history of philanthropy and the African-American experience in a way that'd be accessible to fundraisers, advancement leaders, and other professionals in the field. Who was Madam C.J. Walker and what is her gospel of giving? Well, Madam C.J. Walker is a turn of the 20th century entrepreneur uh, and philanthropist, an African-American woman who was born on a cotton plantation just two years after uh, uh, slavery ended uh, in Delta, Louisiana, and um, had a very difficult life, was orphaned, uh, eventually widowed, and, and is growing up and living in the Jim Crow South. Um, but her story is, is, is very complex and has many different nuances and turns to it. But the short of it is that she goes on to start a beauty cosmetics company for black women. It becomes very, very successful. Uh, she becomes very, very wealthy. Um, and, and her story kind of culminates where she ends up living in this 34-room, $250,000 mansion in New York during the height of the Jim Crow era. So something that's not supposed to happen. So it's a very inspirational story. It's a very important story. And philanthropy and generosity is key to that story. And that's the part that I wanted to bring through. So the gospel of giving is my articulation of her philosophy of philanthropy, because she didn't leave behind an essay um, explaining what she was doing in the ways that some prominent philanthropists of that era have done, Carnegie, Rosenwald, and others. Uh, but her life was a living text of her generosity and, and what she thought about it and how she practiced it. So, so I excavated her life. I dug into her papers. I followed the trails. I engaged in historical research to bring that story to life and to articulate why she gave, how she gave, what she was trying to do, and the context in which she was giving. Can you give us an example of Madam C.J. Walker's gospel of giving, how she went about her philanthropy as she became prosperous as a businesswoman? 
Sure. So one of the, the key ideas is that um, money is a, a, an important part of it. And so she certainly made financial donations to charities of her day, particularly charities that were serving the black community, which again, remember the context is actively being ignored by Jim Crow, right? The government, the private markets are making life difficult for black people. And so they're having to start their own organizations. And so she becomes a very important donor for schools and social service agencies and others that are meeting needs um, among African-Americans during this difficult time in history. And so, but, but money is only one part. She also used her voice as a gift. And there's a chapter about how she engages in activism, speaking out against lynching um, and speaking in favor of women's suffrage and really on the forefront of the major social movements of her era. And it speaks to this powerful idea of one's voice and activism as a gift in this tradition of African-American philanthropy. So we see philanthropy in her life as something that gradually unfolds and gains steam over life, uh, over her life. And it's not something that, that she waits to do in old age. It's something that is very much a feature of her life uh, from a very early part and then kind of expands from there. Tyrone, it sounds like Madam C.J. Walker really crossed lines of distinction with, with her charitable giving financially, with her advocacy, uh, and then also even in her own life, as you mentioned, uh, you know, starting out in humble beginnings, becoming very prosperous. How did this help her with her generosity and philanthropy? It sounds like she transcended different economic classes, let alone trying to reach across racial lines to be able to have an impact with her generosity. Yeah, well, as I mentioned before, that she was really on the forefront of the major movements of the era. And, and she had this very um, um, uh, uh, interesting ability to kind of move between groups and to move within circles. And so um, she was very much attuned to the community that she came from. She, through her company, she provided opportunities for working class Black women who, again, would normally be locked into domestic labor, menial labor, and not able to really care for their families. But they could become a walker agent products or even do um, beauty care services, hair, nails, those kinds of things, and begin to earn the kinds of wages that allows for them to take care of their families. So she's providing opportunities for economic development and growth for working class people. And she's also moving amongst the so-called elite of the day in terms of interacting with people like Booker T. Washington, W.E.B. Du Bois, Marcus Garvey. Um, she even was part of a delegation that traveled to the White House to confront President Woodrow Wilson over, over lynching. And so uh, she used used her influence and she, she used her connections to the community to try to advocate for racial justice, for gender justice, and provide opportunities for the community, again, in this Jim Crow context that was deliberately making life very hard for Black people. Tyrone, this is such a fascinating story about Madam C.J. Walker. In fact, so fascinating. Hollywood picked up this story and uh, produced a Netflix special about her uh, that we also encourage people to turn to after they read your book. Uh, what does this mean to us today then? I mean, one of the things that strikes me is that maybe Madam C.J. Walker is unexpected. Uh, and maybe today are there fundraisers who say, I'm not sure I expect a certain person or a certain type of person to be a donor. Are there lessons we can learn from her life that we can apply today uh, as we look to incorporate, of course, diversity, equity, and inclusion into our professional fundraising field, uh, into our donor databases, how can those lessons be applied to fundraisers today? Sure. Well, one of the, the takeaways from the book that I hope people will get is this idea that philanthropy doesn't come from wealth. It comes from generosity. 
And when we think about that, that opens up the pool of prospective donors and, and, and givers in ways we never even thought of before. And so Madeline Walker very much represents this tradition. Again, she, she was a millionaire. She was very wealthy, uh, but we can't allow that to cause us to separate her in our minds from her community. She was very attuned to what was going on. And she also was very reflective of what her peers were doing. Black women across this era, whether they were educators or, or journalists or, or club women or active in their churches, they're all demonstrating this type of generosity, doing what they can from where they are to address the issues of the day. And so if, if we allow that to kind of um, impact the way we think about philanthropy, then we can start to see and have a broader definition of who counts as a philanthropist and what counts as, a, as philanthropy. It's not just something that only the, the elite among us do. It's, it's part of our collective human heritage and something that all of us can plug in. So I think there's lessons here for fundraisers and thinking about opening up fundraising and providing equal opportunities for, for donors to engage in, in their missions and, and, and to be captured by relevant cases for support um, and having different ways of engaging. Because all too often, we know from, from some national studies, people of color, unfortunately, report lower levels of being cultivated and solicited, right? And that's something that fundraisers have control over. So, because fundraisers determine who gets a phone call and who doesn't. They determine who gets invited to the event and who doesn't, or who even makes the list uh, for a campaign. And so, if we begin to think about in this larger moment of racial reckoning, what we might be able to do, we definitely need institutional change models and initiatives and approaches to deal with the core of these things. But along the way, while those things are happening, I would urge fundraisers to think about if they could pick up the phone and call a donor of color, for instance, who may not have been in, engaged um, as, as perhaps their history with the organization suggest they should be and begin to bridge that gap. I think that's a good start. And again, broadening our understanding of who counts. I also think that Madam Walker, as a high net, high net worth individual, gives some insight into how high net worth donors of color operate because they tend to be first generation wealth, right? And which is a different context that if, if wealth is, is, is bequeathed to you or if it's you know, very stable and, 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 and fully developed. But when you're actively developing that wealth and you might be actively taking care of family members, right? It's a different context than, than someone else who's been wealthy for a very long time or multiple generations. And so we know from studies that, you know, again, like high network donors of color tend to be first generation wealth. So I think it gives you some more insights into the culture and, and the ways of being and thinking of, of giving and generosity that will inform specific fundraising strategies. Tyrone, it sounds like you mentioned Andrew Carnegie earlier in our conversation, and of course, uh, the famous essay, Gospel of Wealth. And here you're talking mm -hmm. about Madam C.J. Walker and her Gospel of Giving. Um, yes. One way perhaps to summarize this is you are ensuring that history is more inclusive and your doings and the retelling of history is more inclusive in a way that helps us be more inclusive in our fundraising. Is that correct? Absolutely. I think that history is really one of the, you know, underutilized tools that, that fundraisers have at their disposal. You know, we talk about donor histories and giving histories and institutional histories, but what about, you know, history history, right? Uh, there, there, there's a long history of giving and generosity in communities of color, and we just don't know a lot about it. And just because we don't see something, it doesn't mean it does, it, it does not exist. Uh, these traditions have been vibrant and very robust, going back to the foundations of the country. Uh, 
and they're alive and well today. Uh, you know, as I, in, the, in the book, I lay out how what Madam Walker was doing is foundational to the landscape of black philanthropy today. And so there's, a, there's some discussion about the role that giving circles are playing now and why black women in particular are drawn to those and what that says about various, uh, you know, high net worth individuals of the day and, and community traditions of giving and sharing that are still very active and relevant. And of course, the black church is still critical and foundational to this tradition and is the premier institution that is teaching people to give and giving them regular opportunities to practice it. And so there's a vibrant culture of generosity amongst people of color more broadly, and especially amongst African Americans uh, that needs more attention and frankly, more respect. And I think when the fundraising profession can have a deeper understanding of it, it'll be better equipped to engage it appropriately. Tyrone, your expertise and your encouragement are so appreciated and your passion is so infectious. Uh, and we encourage everybody to pick up Madam C.J. Walker's Gospel of Giving, Black Women's Philanthropy During Jim Crow, available now wherever you want to purchase a book. Uh, and again, this is an example of our work at the Indiana University Lilly Family School of Philanthropy. Tyrone's been winning national awards and receiving national recognition for this book. And when you become an academic student at our school at the bachelor, master, or doctoral level, these are the types of conversations that we're having with our students, not on the how-to of nonprofit management, but the what and why of philanthropic leadership. Uh, and you can learn more about our academic programs on our school's website at philanthropy.iupui.edu. Now, when you add the forward slash and the fundraising school, that's where you will learn about our public courses, our custom training, uh, as well as these podcasts, our quarterly webinars, and our feature Fridays with the Fundraising School. And we also have information about the Crisis Response Scholarships, where you can take a course with a 50% reduction to be able to attend the Fundraising School. By the way, Dr. Freeman is an alum of the Fundraising School's staff, so we get to uh, enjoy working along with him now in this new role as well. With Dr. Tyrone Freeman, this is Bill Stanjakevich. Now you are now more fully informed on this first day from the Fundraising School. Mm -hmm.